Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Beats with Kelly Kennedy, where here on Not Meds, which is not naturally oriented therapists, medically enlightened doctors and specialists, my goal is to bring to you the most cutting edge minds and incredible scientists that are available and keeping us learning and exposing you to how your body really works so that you can be empowered and engaged in your own wellness and you can optimize your body and biohack it and do all the great things that we teach you to do here because you are have the best physician inside you. You have the incredible healing power inside you and we are here to help you engage that. And it's truly from our hearts to yours that we wanna gather this information for you and give it to you as heartfelt as we can to ensure that that frequency of yours, your vibration is raised every time you listen to our podcast. And to that end, I wanna share a few things going on this week. We have really some amazing opportunities. Uh, Siobhan Sarna is putting together the Limb Summit, which starts tomorrow on April 19th. If you're not hearing this in 2021, then please go directly to our website and watch the Limb Summit. It's an incredible opportunity for all of you to engage in understanding lymphatics, not just from Kelly Kennedy, but from many world-renowned experts. And that is the week of April 19th to 25th. And uh, you can own that as well as there is some opportunity for you to listen to some of it for free. And uh, so please join us for that. You can access that on our website. And then we also have our class series that just started. We just recorded our first one yesterday on heart rate variability. It was very much an incredible show. I actually said to Alyssa today, I think it was more of a master class because we had Rasmus on there. It was four hours long. And it was more to do about heart rate variability and regulation in the heart that I ever expected us to do. And I'm very happy and blessed to have that as an offering. And we also do expect that in the future, we're going to do a few more classes with Rasmus over heart rate variability. And then coming up in a couple of weeks on April 30th, I'm doing another class with Michelle Nelson on the lymphatic system. You might know Michelle from our flow show, and she's going to be there with me to teach you um, some details about the lymphatic system and how you can biohack your lymphatic system. It's a three hour class on Friday, April 30th. So join us for that. And today we're talking about the immune system. We're talking with Dr. Nick from Canada. And Dr. Nick has an incredible bioregulatory uh, approach to not only the immune system, but the entire body, obviously. But today we're delving into LDI, LDA, and how that therapy works. And it's an allergy elimination type of therapy, but it works on the immune system. And we really delve in and talk about white blood cells and what type of um, immune response there are and why the body might respond in an immune way and why, how do we calm down cytokine storms and so on and so forth. Nick started, Dr. Nick started off his approach in, in his life and more as a chemist and working in the pharmaceutical industry, medical chemistry. And he's really switched through some family histories, and you're going to hear a little bit about that, into this bioregulatory approach. And the name of his center is Peace, and he embodies peace. I know you're going to want a pen and paper to take some notes because we really go through some details. I hope that my questions were clarifying for you, and I always do appreciate your comments. So feel free to comment and feel free to share this if this content really links in with you and you know somebody else that would benefit from this, please do share it. We want to make sure that people understand their immune system, that there is hope. And that is Nick's message, Dr. Nick's message. And I appreciate your time in listening to today's episode. And I enjoy sharing one of my great colleagues and friends here in this naturally oriented therapist, medically enlightened doctors and specialists here on the beats. Please welcome Dr. Nick. with Kelly Kennedy. And today, once again, I have one of my amazing colleagues to educate, enlighten, and talk about low-dose immunity, as well as many other things in the bioregulatory field. Um, Dr. Nick and I actually met a couple of years ago at a seminar, and when we reconnected, and I don't know, a couple of months ago, he had inquired about something we were doing. And when I went to his website, I was like, 
wait, who is this? I, this, there's, there's a lot of information on this website that really this person knows what they're doing. And then when we connected, I was like, oh, it's Dr. Nick. And it was just such a great reconnection. And he's really a, a medicinal chemist and he works up in Canada and he, his first career was working more in the pharmaceutical industry, um, but because of some personal family experiences, oh, that's right, I remember that story now, you told me that story, um, you got d delved into the naturopathic world, and I would like you to unpack that story in a minute, but his experiences with disease and illness has had him have a very different philosophy and understanding, which is why I'm sure he went into the bioregulatory field and started understanding medicine from that point. He's done extensive training in many different disciplines, both in North America and Europe, as well as um, I'm sure many other places. And he's very renowned and very well known in our field. He has, He's very eclectic like many of us and utilizes very you know, it's multi-causational, it's multi-therapeutic approach. So he's not just doing one approach. He's got multiple approaches when he's dealing with somebody's illness. But today we really want to unpack a little bit about LDI because I want to know more about it as well. And he knows that when there is hope that patients can reach their optimal health and that he's here to support them along the healing journey. So without further ado, I introduce you all to my very good friend, Dr. Nick. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. And before we get started, I just want to say that um, Dr. We will give you all the information about how to contact Dr. Nick and so forth towards the end. But can you explain a little bit about your story and about the name of your business and what it means? Because I think that's very impactful for people because it makes a big difference when you name your business about your intention. Of course. So I guess like like you said earlier, like I think my previous career or my first career was I was a medicinal chemist in the pharmaceutical industry. My job was kind of drug discovery, so trying to make new drugs. Um, but then my, my sister got ill and that kind of changed my trajectory. I always want to go back to school to, to do more, get my PhD and all that stuff. But I realized quickly that there is just something else for me and I needed to do it. And then because um, we've, we've done all my sister's story is huge and it's a huge blessing in, in my life, especially too as well because it brought me to where I am today in terms of even my learnings on this path as a doctor, even continuously today as I go forward. But um, so that kind of shifted my whole trajectory and I didn't even know what I was really getting into. Like I, I got into ND school and I was hardcore. I needed to do, I needed to finish, I needed to learn. I was just hungry for knowledge at that moment and I knew I, I needed to, to get in and get out as soon as I could so I can go and learn. Cause that was my, my key thing is like, I need my license, but then I need to go learn. And I think a lot of my colleagues, my mentors understand that. And that's what I've kind of learned from them is that true learning starts after school because if the fundamentals were there, but after the fact is where I, I really dove in and I was just kind of, when I got my license, when I did my board exams, I was like, okay, time to learn. I jumped on a plane and I started learning and I started going different places around North America, got to Europe. I, and I kind of fell in love with kind of biological regulatory medicines just because I felt it was the, the right thing for me. I just felt I could dive fully into it and I understood um, maybe the processes behind it and the, just the philosophical part. And the more I was reading about it, the more um, I was understanding from different kind of uh, specialists in that area in terms of how they approach medicine. It just made sense. And I'm a logical person. I think logically in that regard, and I try to put things together and it was just a logical approach to medicine. And that's where I, um, it kind of led me to where I am today. But again, biggest influence is my sister. It's a huge story behind that but she's been the huge blessing in my life towards uh, what I do today and why I do it. And that's why I focus more on complex chronic illness, because I think it's an area that we forget about because we always um, kind of categorize things into like Lyme, autoimmune, but they're all complex chronic illnesses, right? That's what are our, our, the biggest illness of today of this century is chronic illness. And we kind of forget that. And we kind of compartmentalize things sometimes and we put them into categories, but it's very uh, broad in terms of how we kind of, look at it. And that's why I focus more on that because that encompasses autoimmune, Lyme, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, all those kind of things or anything unknown that makes no sense or a previous doctor is confused by, I kind of love because I know I can dive in and kind of figure it out. Um, not that I can figure it out, but I think we can do it together with the patient and we can kind of work through it. I think we kind of forget fundamentals when we work through cases as well, even as doctors, because we learn something brand new, we want to apply it right away, or we have something that we just want to do in a patient, but sometimes you have to start with fundamentals to build upon that to get to where you want your patient to get to, which is the end result. And I guess my name in terms of uh, Irini 
um, comes from the Greek word of the Greek word for peace. And I really want to bring peace to your healing. That's my, my kind of catch line with, with my business and with patients in the clinic, just because I've seen what toll it takes on an individual in terms of illness. And I, I want them to under, understand there is hope, there is possibility. And if I could be one person on their path, then I'm happy to help them that way as well. And I thank you for that. What an amazing answer. And I want to unpack that a little bit because I think you hit some highlights there that are noteworthy and impactful. So the first thing saying that, you know, school is just the foundation, much like your practice, like you got to do the, you got to do the basics. You got to do the foundation. You got to have the knowledge base. But from there, you knew now I can create my artistry. Now I can figure out what I want to work on. And, and then through all of, and obviously your sister has some kind of chronic illness situation that led you away from pharmacy and into a different approach to, to health, to wellness, correct? For sure. Of course. And I'm sure because when you are approached or, or looked at the biological approach, the bioregulatory medicine approach, and it's so deep in science, I'm figuring that probably excited you a little bit, considering that you're all about science as a pharmacist. Well, I wasn't a pharmacist. I was a chemist. In chemist. But yeah, it was, it was just intriguing and it just made sense. There was, of course, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of science behind it. So it's not just this uh, kind of like untangible philosophy it's rooted in something. And that's what made sense to me in terms of balancing the regulating the immune system and the neurological system. You can do a lot through that. And that's what kind of like the key things that drove me to it. And I think that the logical approach that he has is what gives people hope, I think, in so many ways. Because when, when you're dealing with a chronic illness, oftentimes clients jump from practitioner, practitioner, practitioner. And like you said, whatever they just learned or whatever their specialty is, is what they're going to apply to that one client rather than taking on that client and going, okay, you're a puzzle. Let's figure you out. And your body's not making any mistakes. So let's figure out the pieces, then the, the links that are making this to make sense, because it is going to make sense. We just need to understand what the body's trying to talk to us about. Right. And so that was your approach in coming into this bioregulatory field and as a natural path in Canada. But at the same time, you looked at chronic illness, not as compartmentalizing. Oh, you have fibromyalgia and I'm going to treat those patients different than the Lyme patients, different than the EBV patients, different than the fibromyalgia and the whatever. And so we're going to not do that. We're going to look at everybody's overall system and so what kind of approaches do you use in regards to assessments yeah so i do have like energetic tools i do use a lot of like energetic medicines in general on um, the one key kind of say assessment tool that i do use is a bioresonance machine it's called the Santa Imago. so that kind of allows me to do my detective work it's really comprehensive because it does take us a long time to kind of go through the nitty-gritty of it but it gives a lot of information to kind of focus us to have a more strategic uh, plan short-term versus long-term because I can then tell us okay how can we approach the next little while in terms of maybe therapies to, to apply but also long-term in terms of what might be going on is there anything chronically maybe uh, microbial stresses on the body what other kind of like environmental stresses are there in the body what organ systems are, are weakened that we need to support and kind of like etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a lot to it overall and I have like a whole video uh, series if people want to learn more about it on my YouTube page in terms of that but yeah that's my my major tool in general and i have other tools that kind of give us some quick information as well too like i have the ampril that you can do a voice analysis that kind of gives you more information in terms of the stresses acutely in terms of nutritional stresses that you might need or you might need to recoup um, organ stresses and possible microbial stresses and also i do hrv testing as a basic baseline for everybody when we start off with because that looks at the the nervous system and, and I love the nervous system. I love kind of regulating that, especially in many different ways. So having a base and understanding of um, if your body's more in a stress state or a relaxed state or in between in the limbo in a sense and what their blockers might be helps us kind of go forward and kind of unblock, regulate, and then allow the rest of the systems to come back online and play as a symphony as they should in a sense. You know, I really appreciate the terminology you just used because Dr. Nick and I have not spent a lot of time together. We were at a weekend class together. We've had a couple hours of conversation. Yet, do you hear the commonality in his approach and what he's saying? It's really beautiful because I think this will probably be somewhere in the 40s or 50th episode of this podcast. And you're just 
And that's the beauty. And what I'm trying to get people to understand is that bioregulatory medicine is just as defined of a discipline as integrative or functional. We just have yet to get together to organize ourselves. And we are doing it now through not meds to find the practitioners that understand this, understand the regulatory capacity of the body and that it has the ability to heal. You know, one of Dr. Nick's biggest things is there is hope. Your body can heal. You can get better. It's, it's, self-regulating and healing. It's amazing, this body of ours, right? And so tell us a little bit about, so wait, before I ask that. So you do heart rate variability, you do um, the amp coil, which is a frequency measurement of some sort, correct? Well, it's it's an assessment tool, a quick assessment tool, but more of a treatment tool than anything else. Okay. Here. Then what was the other thing you mentioned? Um, the sensitive molecule. So that's a bioresonance tool directly that can assess, but also treat. And also makes kind of medicines as well too, but uh, we use it. Focus. We focus um, for the assessment part when we start off with the patient. And bioresonance. If you don't understand that, please go take our HRV class to understand heart rate variability and resonance and where you know that all comes from because it all comes from the heart and that is your regulator of the body. And we need to figure that out. That's what we're here for, right? Okay. So your approach is you do a lot of different therapies, obviously, right? But can we talk about the low-dose immunity approach? Because I think in combination with regulation, it's such a beautiful opportunity for people to understand that their body never makes mistakes and that it just needs information. Yeah, of course. So like, well, what I do is called low-dose immunotherapy. So um, it's just to give like kind of a little bit of a background, it yeah. was originally called EPD, which is enzyme um, potentially desensitization by Dr. McEwen back in, I think, the UK. This is in the 60s. Um, that was more for allergies than anything else. Then um, an American physician, Dr. Schrader, he brought it to North America, um, coined it low-dose allergy immunotherapy. And that was focused more on when we're looking at environmental allergens and food allergens. So there's three, there's three major kind of... Um, uh, mixtures that were made by a pharmacy. One was for the foods. It can be any foods that you might be possibly see sensitive or allergic to. Um, there was one for inhaling allergies, and that's specifically for kind of think of it like danders from animal danders to like kind of uh, seasonal allergy things like um, for molds, mildews, kind of like anything you can think of that, that you can inhale that might aggravate, uh, create allergies, that would be helpful. And then there's the last one was the chemicals. Uh, uh, mixture too as well that can help people with chemical sensitivities so that's how the first brand started but then there was another doctor dr ty vincent he kind of um took it to the next kind of level where he thought well if these things are kind of working for allergens how come we can't do it for for microbes so he started to bring in more microbes in terms of like making his own mixtures of different microbes his major ones were like yeast and lime because the whole goal or the whole thought behind it was that if there's an immune mediated inflammatory condition, um, then we can, we know that if we find what triggers that, we can shut it off. That was the whole goal. So we're doing something called immunological tolerance. That's the theory behind it. There's possibly in terms of uh, T regulatory cells. So if we can kind of desensitize somebody by creating tolerance to whatever's overreacting in the body, then we can shut off inflammation. And that's what we're kind of like thinking in that regard. And that's what we kind of do. So um, through that, those two branches came apart. And then there's, of course, the micro part is just one of the biggest parts, but you can also, you can think of it in terms of you can make anything out of LDI. So even I do a lot of hormone LDIs, which we're taking the LDI and the hormonal effects like estrogens, progesterones kind of things. And we're desensitizing women who have maybe kind of a PMS symptoms or menses are, are, are light or, or kind of oligomenorrhea overall or, or very heavy. And we can kind of regulate those as well, too, because if we can shut up the inflammatory response, then like you said, Kelly, uh, the body can take, has inherent ability to heal itself and regulate itself. So that's where our goal is to shut off inflammation. So if we can find the trigger for that, then we can do that. So that's the basics kind of of LDI, LDA, as we call it in general. So LDI and LDA, let's, I, I want to help people understand that a little bit. So the immune system is having a response to something, but it looks but it's creating too much inflammation. Why would the body do that? Let's start there. So why, wh how do you know it's creating too much inflammation and why would it do that? Yeah, well, that's what we were saying before is that we can think of it as this kind of like 
overreacting. That's what allergies are. They're, they're overreacting to something. And sometimes it can be yourself, even your own tissues in general too. That's what we consider like autoimmune diseases in that kind of case. So when we're thinking of like possible conditions that um, could be helped with LDI, we can think autoimmune diseases, we can think um, chronic fatigue syndrome, we can think Lyme disease, because now we're going to a paradigm shift in terms of understanding the healing versus immunological tolerance. Because a lot of times we go and we use anti things to kind of bring down loads, bacterial loads or microbial loads. But sometimes that's not always the approach or the best approach for an individual. Sometimes it does work for some uh, patient population to help them in terms of their symptom symptomology. But for others, they're bombarded with even antibiotics or that kind of stuff for Lyme, and they're still kind of in a stagnant state. Nothing's changed. So if we can realize that there's there's an issue in the immune system where there's this overreacting, over arching kind of issue of it's, it's creating this inflammatory state that's not turned off, it's chronic and it's there, then if we can find the right trigger, then we can shut it off. And that's what we're kind of trying to do with LDI kind of overall in that regard. And, and so you test a person on, I would imagine there's different like panels or like, how do you know where to start when you're testing somebody? Like I walk in and I go, I don't because this would be for any symptom, right? It's not mm -hmm. like I walk in and go, oh, I have an anaphylactic allergy to fish. Like, I'm sure that's something you can also deal with, but let's say it's not that. Let's say it's like joint pain or digestive disorder or headaches. You would still approach it as an LDA situation? Well, in general, like, it's, so it's hard to kind of confirm something for, for an individual in terms of like, this is what you have, even from a blood test or whatever it might be. So we use both, like, that's why I do energetic testing too, in terms of the bioresonance. It gives me, uh, let's me understand the microbial stress that might be on the body. Um, but even you can you can do blood tests to kind of see what microbes might be um, reacting right now. At the same time, it doesn't always mean it's it's a clinical it's clinically relevant that moment. So that's the key thing. So I think for me, the, the biggest part is is history, clinical history. So I do take a comprehensive history to understand symptoms and understand how it was triggered, and also understanding previous therapies. So examples like if somebody um, was prescribed maybe even an RX antifungal and they did really well in it then maybe they're sensitive to yeast. It might be a sensitivity. So then we would use the, the yeast mixture. And then when we look at the different uh, mixtures in terms of microbes, some of them can be very broad ranged in terms of how we kind of uh, um, prescribe them. So we have to be mindful of that. But just to finish off your question in terms of answering it, it's more about you need you have to use clinical kind of uh, history. You can, use, you can use blood. You can do kind of uh, chronic panels, infectious panels. Um, but I also use energetics. And then it, it's more about kind of understanding the patient at that moment, like what makes the most sense for them based on their symptoms. Because there's a lot of, even when you look at the, uh, the research in terms of correlations of different bugs for different conditions. So a very general example is that Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So we know that um, uh, EBV can be one bug that can trigger that, but we also know that Yersinia can also do that. So we can kind of, if we think, Yersinia. Yersinia. So if we think there's there's something there that you have a diagnosed condition of that kind, then we can kind of apply maybe those LDIs to start off with, if we're going to play it that route. Um, but we have to also kind of figure, okay, what's the most biggest priority for that individual at this moment? Well, which one would give them the biggest bang for their buck in a sense? And sometimes the bigger guns would be kind of yeast because it's such a broad range of symptoms that encompass that LDI. Same thing with Lyme. They overlap in some kind of different ways. So sometimes we start that way. But again, it really depends on each individual in terms of the patient, in terms of where we're at. And it also depends on what they're comfortable with, the patient. Because we always, I always ask like, what are you comfortable with? What do you think? When we give them the breakdown of like, these are the ones we want to try, but what do you think in terms of priority also? Because I, I want them to be, uh, take charge of their therapy as well in that regard. And engage in their therapy and not just exactly. show up. Yeah. yeah. And so you say you do energetic testing. You know, one of the things that the podcast is attempting to do is get people to understand what energy is because I, you don't maybe know my story too well and I wouldn't expect you to, but when I got involved in this, I was in a car accident. This was 25 years ago now, but I was in a horrible car accident. I went to many specialists over three states, you know, the traditional route, the pain specialists and the neurologists and the orthopedic specialists and all of that. And all I did was write scripts and tell me to go to support groups basically. I got involved with this man who does energetic muscle response testing. 
taps on my back, gives me some Chinese herbs and my pain starts to go away. And when I come back to the office and I go, how did you do that? He goes, energy. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What does that mean? Like, I don't understand what energy means. And it's taken me 24, five years to understand that. And of course, bioregulatory medicine, like satiated that for me with the science of energy. But for our audience, can you explain that in your term, Dr. Nick? What, what is energetic testing? What is the bioenergetics of the body? Because that's what you're working with in LDA, correct? Well, you are. You're working. You can think of it as information therapy, right? That's what it comes down to. I think with anything, um, like you can think biophysical information therapy. That's where we're looking at energetics from, from that standpoint. And like for me, I, I'll be honest, I don't physically do kind of like muscle testing. I think like... I've learned it, but I just, I don't think I'm as good as others. So I, I focus more on the devices to kind of help support my inclinations and my hypotheses. That's what I kind of do. But you're right. I think it's more about resonance. I think that's where it comes down to. If we can kind of find when there's, there's fine tuning and toning in the body that we're trying to do to an organ, then that can kind of allow us to kind of really bring things back into to balance. So like energetics for me is like, it can be anything, but it can be from a physical tool. Like what you, like you also said, from a person engaging and with another kind of individual and sharing energies to feel the difference in something that's occurring so they can kind of get a better insight into the body at different levels. That can be another way of doing it. So I think it's more about resonance. That's what it comes down to. That's for me, it's encompassing one word of resonance in terms of energetics. And so not to be too simplified, but at the same time, I mean, if you're a musician, perhaps you understand resonance. But when I first got involved in energetic world, resonance, you know, was a foreign concept to me. I had taken a few music lessons, but didn't understand resonance. And it's very interesting to me because you start off as a chemist and now you're a biological doctor. And it's like, and yet you talk about physics and quantum physics. And so I look at you as a deep scientist. So I'd like you to explain, if you would be willing to, from a scientific perspective, as, as deep as you can in regards to, in regards to what resonance really is. Yeah, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. I think it's like, I think everybody knows the example of the tuning fork and the glass that shatters. So it's like when you're, you're at the same level with something else, you're in tune with it. And that's what it comes down to. So when you're, we're, are, we're trying to do this. It's like either an or every organ, every tissue has a, has a frequency that it vibrates at. So if we can kind of find things and put them back into their, their state of, of resonance, as we call it, or back into their, their optimal state, that, that frequency, then we can get the body to kind of heal itself and do its regulatory capacity, its biochemistry, whatever it might have to do. So we can think of like resonance overall is that we're trying to put, or restore the, let's see, let's see if we can say it better. We're trying to restore that, that state that the organ is working at a healthy level. That's what I, we're very simple. I think that was perfect. Restoring the optimal frequency state is what I kind of summarized from what you said. Yeah, exactly. Restoring the optimal frequency state. And I think that was great what you said that every organ in the body, every tissue of the body, everything has its own frequency, its own measurable frequency. And so LDA is essentially looking at what frequencies are not harmonizing, are not resonating with the body, because if there's resonance, the body will appropriately compensate, correct? In a way, you can think of it that way too, because if you're looking from an energetic perspective, you can think of like when we're giving the medicine, the LDA or the LDI, we're, we're hoping that it kind of, it triggers a response. And sometimes even that medicine is not physical, because it's only the information that's left over. Because as we dilute it down, we can pass, um, in scientific terms, Avogadro's number, which is in terms of physical matter in a substance. So we're only giving the information after that fact. So it's exactly resonating at the frequency that the body's resonating in terms of creating that optimal response or churning off that inflammation in that regard. So it's, it's definitely possible. I, I, that's why I do see even LDI, LDA, as even kind of, you can think of it, homeopathy. I was just going to ask that, Dr. Nick, you, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, so it seems a little like homeopathy where you're kind of giving a substance, but it's not a substance. You're giving a frequency. But you are giving a substance, but it can go, when you dilute it down, like example, if you're, if you're diluting to like, cause we still use, even in LDA and LDI, we use um, uh, like 
Hahnemann dilution. So you're doing the 100 to 1 dilutions for every uh, C potency in a sense. So when we pass, say, like 12C, we're passing, like, we're diluting past any physical matter in that substance that we're giving. So it's only water and the information of that previous substance that's left over. So it definitely, you're, you're, that's why I, I said earlier in terms of biophysical information therapy, we're giving the body information, the necessities that it needs. And it's taking that information on and knowing that it, it'll be helpful towards what it needs to be helpful, or it can do nothing and just pass by, pass through the body in that regard too. So that means we didn't hit what we're supposed to in terms of fine tuning and toning the body or the organs or, or the immunological system in this case, because we want to kind of find that trigger and then give the body the, nece the necessary information so that it can create that tolerance or desensitize it so that the information is turned off. And that's the key goal of kind of like overall of low dose immunotherapy. So as I just stated, I'm not a musician, but I think about my husband tuning his guitar. And I just had this visual of somebody walking to Dr. Nick's office and I'm going, okay, I'm going to play all your strings. I'm going to see which ones are out of tune. And I'm going to find what we need to tune up to have it sound better because right now you're a little off key. And, and you do that with these vibrational informational uh, remedies, therapies, which is biophysical in nature, but allows the body, not forcing, but allowing the body to see the substance and to reduce the inflammation. And how do, what's the mechanism, if you could, in the body that's causing, when, when the body sees the LDA or the LDI, why does that work to calm down the inflammation? So, because that's why we think that it's working on the regulatory T cells. So that, think of it just in T cells in general, and that, if, that kind of triggers the inflammatory cytokines that create the inflammation. So if we can kind of shut off that over-exaggerated response in that part of the immune system, then we can kind of get the, the body to kind of calm down its inflammatory state. Sometimes for some individuals, there's more than one trigger, of course, right? There's not just one thing. So that's why usually we start off with LDAs, which is the environmental stuff, the food stuff, to kind of take a stress one layer off the body. And then we go into the, the physical um, microbes or whatever else we might think is important. Like, for example, for women, we might even just do hormones because sometimes you can think of it in terms of when people are sensitive in, in terms of estrogen, they're more allergic sensitive. So they have, they shift their immune system towards TH2, which is more allergy. So if we can kind of desensitize the body in terms of estrogen sensitivities, then we can kind of get better responses. So we're trying to take stress off, off or stress after stress off the body so that it has an innate ability to heal itself. So, and then the other LDIs might work even better. Sometimes with LDI, if there's a lot of toxicity involved and huge burdens in that regard, it, it can, it, we have to kind of unburden the person a little bit so we can get the maximum effect as well too. Because sometimes when we look at even um, detoxification and kind of uh, metals and all that kind of stuff, it's sometimes, it's not just the load that's the problem, but then after a while, you create a, a sensitivity, immunological sensitivity to that metal or to that toxin. So we have to be mindful also of that when we kind of apply it as well. Meaning that if the person has a, a big, large burden of mercury from silver or amalgam fillings in their mouth, and they're having this huge inflammatory response throughout the systemic body, and they're so toxic that maybe you would start with maybe environmental allergies before you went after the toxic load, of the metals because once you take that layer off it's going to help did i understand that right sort of you can do that we always like we start with just the fundamentals i think the fundamentals for me are kind of like the environmental and the food to get those exogenous things that can stress the body first right even to desensitize and then sometimes even metals the toxic load is not sometimes the biggest problem because the body's already been burdened with that for so long but it's a immunological reaction that's occurred over time so now they're sensitive to these physical metals immunologically which are creating inflammation, not just the physical load of it. And that's why some of those patients, they can't um, detox or they have such a horrible time or over-exaggerated response to detox because there's probably an immunological reaction occurring that's creating this exaggerated inflammatory state as well. So sometimes you also want to kind of desensitize them, if you can, to the metals uh, before you even kind of go uh, in a, towards detox them in a full kind of, uh, full kind of, for, full kind of state or full kind of way of doing that. So that's why I kind of look at it as well, too. But sometimes, too, if look at the other way, the LDIs and microbes might not work as well because they're so bombarded by toxicity 
So we have to kind of alleviate some of that too. So open up drainage pathways and things of that nature to be able to kind of support them. So the body is not bombarded by too many messages. So we can give it the right information. It can take it in and then help support the inflammatory state and kind of quiet that down as well too. But then there's so much more to it as well. Cause like even with LDI and other stuff, I think you understand you have to, I always do things around it to support it. I don't just do it by itself. For some instance, we do do it by itself because they work with multiple practitioners and that's fine. So that's my specialty for them. But I always tell patients we have to kind of work around it and support around it so we have the optimal results with it. And now it's like, for instance, the drainage therapy that you mentioned. So you can't move a bunch of stuff around if you don't have drainage. And what do you mean by drainage? I'm just curious. Yeah, so we would do like homotoxicology. So kind of like using different kind of remedies that are supporting opening of we call it the monk trees or the, the organs of elimination. So some lines we can use are like pecanas, people use undas, um, you can use recuig. Like there's so many different lines. It just depends on the practitioner and what they kind of resonate with, like we said, what they enjoy, what they feel works best for them and their patients. Um, so we do some- Those like are all informational liquid medicaments of sorts that he just mentioned, pecana, recuig. Yeah. And what was the other one? Um, and then undas, people use oh, undas, right? Undas. And um, do you do any? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm baiting you here. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, you're talking about the lymphatic system, I presume, when you talk about drainage. Big part of it, for sure. <laughs> I want to talk about the immune system a little bit more from the Th1, Th2, if you're willing to go down that road, because I think there's a lot, like you brought up so many great things today in regards to the regulatory T cells, but I think that perhaps some of our audience might be a little lost because they're not immunologists. They don't understand immune immunity the way perhaps we do. So the first thing I want everybody to understand is what he said is that LDA and LDI, just like the body has different white blood cells that are, are addressing microbes versus metals versus environmentals, they've also got to create the response in the body in the same way, right? And so what's the difference between a TH1 and a TH2 response in the body? Well, I'll make it like really simple. So like TH2, we can think just allergy in terms of that, something like histamine, things of that nature, um, like hay fever, that kind of stuff. You can think TH1, then cell immune immediated. So we're thinking inside the cell at that point. So microbes that can get in the cell and we're talking about Lyme disease getting the cell in that regard too as well. So that's what we break it down. So this can still work kind of for almost both levels of it because we're working again at the, we're giving the information towards a specific trigger that's creating this cytokine kind of storm in a sense almost, the inflammatory cascade. So it, it's not depending on one or the other or what state it might be in. So that's why that's why different practitioners use different ways of assessing and treating um, with utilizing LDL, like we talked earlier. People just depend on blood tests to showcase something in terms of what microbe to go after. Others do just muscle testing to kind of do that, to focus more on that regard. So it really just depends on, on where the, the practitioner is at and how they like to apply it. And that's why, but we can still think of it in terms of those two branches of, of the immune system in very simple terms. That was great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that because it's so, I don't know, common it seems to be in our industry that like, oh, I have the one pony and the one pony show, and this is the one pony and the one pony show that you need to do. But the reality is that I don't do LDI, but I, I somewhat understand. We had a medical doctor that did LDI and LDA a little while. And, and, you know, I somewhat understand. I want to understand it more, but the reality is it's very similar to what we do. We just do it with different things here at our center. And it doesn't matter which way you do it because the premise, this is the point the premise of which we come from in understanding the regulatory capacity of the body is what we're trying to work with. So it doesn't matter how you engage that, what information you get to get it. It's just the ability of the body to open that up and we, we sit back and let it do its job by giving it the right information and removing the blockades before we do that, right? Have to do that. For sure. So what kind of uh, results have you seen with LDI? What, what experiences have you had? Yeah, so it's, I'll be honest, like it's pretty crazy sometimes what you can see. It's like pretty, it's very fascinating to me because when I see like when people come back, patients come back and say like, this is gone. I'm like, interesting. That's pretty cool. So like, like a simple example would be like everybody knows what warts are. And then we had a child that had warts. They had warts on their kind of mouth, on their face and on their body. Pretty big ones too on their hands. It was very big and very noticeable. Um, and then 
we started a kind of therapy, but like I started them, they also had, I think they said some stomach pain. They never complained about stomach pain ever, but from getting the answer from the child, she, I think she was a seven-year-old, um, very harsh stabbing pains after eating, and, but she never complained about it. So I started on LDA, so like food mixture, which is kind of desensitizing foods. And literally, um, mom, mother gets back and like after three days, the warts fell off and they were gone. So it was kind of complete remission of it. So that kind of tells us now, if we're looking kind of at um, what did what, was it really a viral? Are warts always viral then in that regard? So it was, it, you, it opens up new path understandings of, of what might be going on because when something happens in LDI, then we know whatever we've given you, your body reacted to, right? For positive or negative in, in that regard. Um, and I had like even like a more kind of, tra um, another kind of really, objective kind of uh, result was uh, a patient who had something called gutate psoriasis. So gutate just means drops. So they have drops on the front of the chest. And we know from literature that that's kind of correlated to strep. That's what we just, we know from literature. So I have a strep LDI, I gave it to them. And literally in three days, all those marks came off. They were just gone. Their, their gutate psoriasis just kind of left. Um, I think it returned back, I think after three weeks, we redosed them and it hasn't come back since. It's been years now. In that regard. So those are kind of extreme examples, but I do have other ones too, in terms of even uh, another patient with like vertigo. Um, it was pretty bad where they would vomit and kind of be nauseous. Um, but we gave them an LDI again, just from food mixture. Um, and that literally changed their symptoms by 80%. They're, they were stable after that. So, uh, and then also from the hormonal LDI perspective, uh, we've had patients who have horrible kind of like PMS symptoms, like even just lethargy, they had to sleep like 14 hours a day, heavy menses, very emotional. I think I gave them, um, and I got lucky too, because sometimes there's, there's ranges in LDI. So you have to, there's not just kind of one size fits all. You have to give the right dose in order to hit the, it's like hit the right note. That's what we're trying to do in that regard. So um, I was got lucky the first time I gave them the hormonal LDI for estrogen. Um, and then literally their, their symptoms got 90% better that, that menstrual cycle in terms of lethargy to non-emotional, um, the heaviness was down and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty crazy what it can do. And of course it doesn't, we don't always get those results right off the bat with a lot of patients, but I do have a lot of, like yeah, I even have with like pediatric patients. So we had a patient, a, a little baby, he was, I think six months years old, um, chronic kind of like sinusitis, congestion of lungs, even within six month period, on antibiotics, steroids to kind of bring it down. Um, mother brought him in. All right, go, this possibly could be food. So we give him the food mixture. And literally the next day, this, the, the nose kind of opened up, cleared up. And he's been uh, well since then, in a sense, too. So no kind of like sinusitis. So was it sinusitis where they needed to give intervention in that case? Or was it something else that was occurring with foods in terms of immunological reaction? So I have, a, I guess, a lot of examples on that. Like, I guess one major one too with like yeast. Yeast, because it has so many different symptoms, right? But we'll talk about a, a chronic fatigue patient. Like they have extreme chronic fatigue where just like complete um, post-exertional malaise. Um, they just, they, they can't do a lot. But literally after finding the right dose with the yeast mixture, we were, they, that dose physically gave them 50% more energy right away off the bat. So it was kind of like, it's pretty quick. Like when it works, it's like, bam. In that regard but usually so the way we kind of dose it, just so people understand so it's not you give it every day in that regard you if when you're going towards um find the right ldi for you we're titrating the right ldi so we're going to give a patient a couple of doses and we're going to start at a much weaker dose so the only difference between homeopathy and this is that a weaker dose is as it sounds if you're going to like 26c 29c 29c will be the weaker dose versus in homeopathy that would be the stronger dose in a sense, right? The okay. more would be stronger in that regard. So it's mm -hmm. reverse in that regard. But, um, and then we titrate downwards until we get a response. We, we want any kind of response. So we want either, of course, the goal is to have a beneficial response. However, there could be a possible worsening of symptoms. So like we said earlier, if there's a worsening of symptoms, then we do know that what we've given you um, will be helpful. However, we have to find the right dose and at a much weaker dose. So the biggest thing with LDI in terms of it being effective is the communication. I think that's the, the hard part for some patients, especially with complex chronic illness, because they have such transient symptoms, they don't have a good baseline because it just changed every day in that regard too. But if we can communicate back and forth in terms of, I know this did that, then that'll allow us to kind of find the right dose for that individual. Because the whole point is if we're titrating, 
and we think there was a 10% change um, with this LDI, but we're saying, no, 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 it wasn't really anything, and we give you a stronger dose, then there's a potential for flaring in that regard too as well. So we always want to be mindful of that kind of stuff when we're kind of dosing. And then our goal is to get to a core dose, a dose that kind of works optimal for you, that you're going to get the most relief out of. And once we have that, we can kind of give it to you every time that symptom comes back. So, but we give it only in the, the earliest we'll ever give it will be seven to eight weeks because that's when the T cells kind of repopulate and they, re, uh, they reconvene in a sense, new, new cells come about. So we have to kind of retrain those ones. So we do only give it every seven to eight weeks. Even when you have a flare, if you have a flare, we have to wait seven weeks before we redose you at a weaker dose because of that fact. So that's the only thing, it could take time for some individuals if we're going too fast or um, if we're trying to find the right dose. But for some people, we can find it right away and it's quick. But for others, it can take us time because we want to be more careful and be mindful because the goal is never to flare an individual or patient. It's better to, to go through seven doses over seven weeks versus trying to go for a hardcore strong dose the first time and flare you for seven weeks. So that's where we kind of always play in that kind of uh, way with an individual. So that's why we're going to redose an individual if you have a neutral response every seven days until we get a response with that specific LDI. So that I still keep that way because other practitioners now have changed it out where they do it every three days. I've just seen that some patients, they react between the seven to 10 day period. Even if they don't react right away, they might react by seven to 10 days in terms of a flare possibly too. So I always want to be extra mindful. I think just my experience and my understanding and just my uh, from what I've seen clinically, I'm always playing on the side of caution with, with patients. I don't want to create a flare. So I'd rather just wait a couple of days more. So we, we're, we've confirmed neutral. Now we can move on before we go to the next one. So that's how we kind of dose and, and kind of go towards the right uh, core dose. And then, like I said earlier too, sometimes we have to use maybe multiple different LDIs or different microbial LDIs or whatever it might be to kind of lower their inflammatory kind of uh, response overall. That was such a great explanation of the immune system and homeopathy. And we, we kind of approached homotoxicology, which we could spend 45 minutes just talking about that. So we won't do that, but perhaps we should have you on another show to talk about homotoxicology, because I think this is what you're talking about that, you know, even though for the and great stories, you can see with the amount of stories this creates, because off the top of his head, he just comes up, oh, wait, here's another one. Oh, wait, here's another one. And it's, because it's the body working and you're so mindful of the rhythms of the body and the processes in the body that something isn't just a mechanism doesn't just happen overnight. Sometimes you get that. Sometimes it's the right information that pushes everything in the right direction, but sometimes it sets up a mechanism in the body that has to unfold. And that can take seven to 10 days or seven to 10 weeks sometimes for that whole process to unwind. And, and you got to be cautious about that. And, and allowing the body to go through the healing once it has the information rather than force, force, force. And kudos to you, Dr. Nick, because so many people in our world are force, force, force. And this is a beautiful opposite approach of allow, 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 and, and working within the laws, the biological laws of the body that it can own, that it is the only thing that heals. And it's just the information that it needs. And it doesn't need to be too loud. It just needs to be the proper, appropriate sound, if you will, frequency, intensity of that frequency to allow the body to shift into, oh, what did you say earlier? It was so beautiful. Wrote it down. Hold on. Restore optimal frequency states. That's what it was to restore the optimal frequency state. I really appreciate this knowledge and I would like to spend a little bit more time at some point about homotoxicology because I think it's an important option for people to understand that the body isn't linear and that I forget what story it was you told now because you told so many stories, but something about like, you know, it seemed like it was, oh, the warts, that it warts are typically viral, but you did an LDA for environmental allergies and then the warts went away and that lends people to understand the homotoxicology and the terrain concept, correct? Exactly, because it wasn't what we assumed it, it should have been. Because then I should have used maybe like a, a herpes or, or sorry, HPV kind of towards that or something viral towards it, but it, it wasn't. It, it was an intriguing kind of, you, I, that's why I've always, I always learn when I do it as well too for my patients in terms of what can, how the body reacts 
and you it's you always get intrigued by that like wow that did that so that's so it's kind of cause and effect it's very simple for some patients to see because like literally for some of them it's like bam in their face and they have this shift so then we know this created that so it's pretty cool in that regard too sometimes but like i think you said earlier there's other ways that pe people or practitioners doctors do this kind of stuff but lda is just kind of one way of doing your lda in general yeah and it's fantastic and so, you know, you can see why he calls his center the center, but he doesn't call it the center of peace. That's the um, translation, but it's the, please pronounce it for me, Irini? Irini. Irini. I am so not, I'm so American, it's that. Irini. I've only taken Latin, so any other language just doesn't, I got to work on that. IriniHealingSolutions.ca is how you can find Dr. Nick. He also has an Instagram, which is Instagram at Irini dot underscore HS. And you can also on his YouTube channel, he has a lot of videos that explain LDI and LDA as well. And they're short, quick videos that really inform you. And I would highly recommend you go there. I'm sure a lot of you are going to have questions and comments today. Please do a little bit of research, but I know that Dr. Nick is available for you. If you do have questions and comments that you want to talk to him further about your case and understanding what's going on. And we do really appreciate everybody's time today. So Nick, I'm gonna end it with one last question. And this is the first time I've asked this question in 47 episodes, mm -hmm. because I gave a lot of thought in the last week that I'm coming up to my year anniversary and I really wanna change the approach a little bit with not meds. And you know, you've been a lot of places, you've seen a lot of things, you've had personal health histories with your sister and so forth. You have the opportunity right now to, let's say, to stand on the stage and when everybody is listening, you get to tell them the big secret that you've learned in all the years of being a doctor or in your life. It doesn't have to be doing a doctor. It doesn't. What is the biggest secret in your life you have learned? And I'm totally putting it on the spot. You had no idea I was going to ask this question, but what's the big secret you want to share with everybody? I think you can, I can go many different ways with this, but I think I'll keep it simple. I'll be like, there's hope. I think that's the secret. I think people- the secret is there's hope. That's yeah, great. A lot of people just, uh, they, because like you said, you, especially when they come to me or to like other practitioners that even do biological medicine, it's kind of like they're, we're their last hope, right? In that regard too, because they, they've gone through so many practitioners, so many doctors, they spent their life savings, like everything's kind of like on this last string. Their life is like dependent on that. So I think, uh, and then when you lose hope, even if the therapy is going to work for you, it might not. I think that's where, that's where it comes down to too as well. Sometimes you have to be ready for that therapy. So I think for me, it's always been like, I, I want patients to understand there is hope. There's always possibilities. If I'm, I, it's all about team. I think that's what it comes down to with, with biological medicine, with integrative biological medicine. We have to think in terms of a team spirit, in terms of a team, um, towards healing in terms of helping patients and i just want patients to always understand there is hope you can get better there's ways of doing it and we'll find it and from our hearts to yours there is hope for you there's hope for whoever you know in your life that needs to hear this information and to that end if this did inspire you please do feel free to read to share this with your friends and subscribe to our podcast and be here weekly to see what we're going to be talking about next time on the beats. And in the meantime, keep your immune system strong by being happy and finding joy and know that there is hope. And if you need a little more guidance there, Dr. Nick is here to help. And we are always here at Not Meds at the Beats with Kelly Kennedy to help you find that hope. Thank you so much, Dr. Nick. Thank you very much, Kelly. I appreciate it. Have a lovely day and we'll see you soon. Perfect.